You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, y'all. Bayou Benders here to talk to you about the latest from our sponsors, DraftKings. It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. Every day of basketball's playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total cash prizes up for grabs. The best part, it's free to get your shot at these daily prizes. DraftKings will offer two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during the day's basketball games and track your results through this evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. All right, guys, so today... I'm joined once again by my wonderful co-host, Corey the Bayou Benders, and we're also joined with some special guests who we've been in contact with for a very long time, the boys at We The North. How are you guys? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm wonderful. Happy to have you guys on. So if you want to, so that was Michael who just spoke, I believe. I was kind of looking away from the... Yeah. Hi, I'm, yeah. I'm Michael. I'm 18 years old. I live in Montreal. Um, I'm a big Habs fan. Uh Sometimes to my detriment, but, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, my co-host is Farhan. Yeah, I'm also, I'm, uh, I'm 19. I'm currently also living in Montreal, going off to university soon. I'm also a Habs fan for, I think, about eight years now. And uh, my God, it's been a bit of a rough ride. <laughs> it's been a rough eight years for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, so, man. yeah, we've been, we've been talking, Michael and I, for... A few months now. Oh man, yeah, uh, since like about, what, December. Yeah, a long time because yeah. we discussed before the pod even got started. You were asking me about it, and I yeah. told, you, yeah, man, like get it going, like it's fun, and looks like you guys have been enjoying it. I, uh, I actually listened awesome. to the last two episodes. Yeah, pretty <laughs> good listen, and I just want to know, like, what, what made you guys want to start the pod? Because we see there's a lot of Habs content out there. But you guys have kind of done something interesting, and you are Habs fans, but you've kind of done a Canadian kind North, of perspective. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what made well, uh, it was my idea to start this podcast, right? And um, mm-hmm. uh, originally, 
I, I wanted to start it for, you know, a few reasons, like, uh, for one, you know, just to kind of, you know, do something, but, but as time went on, it was mostly to kind of, you know, give out a different perspective, right? You know, dish out a, dish out a new perspective. And, um, cause I, I started seeing a lot of podcasts where a lot of them kind of had the same ideology about the Habs, right? Where it was mostly optimistic views on the Habs and not really an objective one. I saw your podcast and you guys were very rare in that sense. Cause I, cause you guys are pretty objective about, uh, about the team. I just want to get a fresh perspective out there, you know, because I feel like a lot of people are kind of misinformed in a way, you know, where you listen to the media and I don't think the media is a good informative outlet. Maybe that, yeah. that might be controversial. No, I agree, especially in Montreal. Oh, I think yeah. if you go out west to Vancouver, the media is pretty good there. Yeah. But in Montreal, it's all about can we shit talk Drew in today? Uh, yeah. Oh, it's all about I, the I drama, find, man. I, yeah, find, exactly. I find that fucking ridiculous it's like, disgusting just, it's not it's disgusting you have guys like drewen who get who not only get slandered for their game right they get slandered personally mm. and sometimes it's not even warranted right like drewen at the start of the year had a great start and you see him get slandered for no reason it's, it's pathetic you, you see guys like weber you know they don't get slandered who and when they actually play badly you know you have guys like eric engels pumping their tires for no fucking reason <laughs> i'm actually curious too because you guys are you're both uh frank like french canadian first or yeah. is french your first uh, i'm actually anglophone but I, I can speak french yeah okay mm-hmm. oh i'm anglophone okay well mm-hmm. as as residents in montreal because i i live just outside of toronto i know i'm stuck, oh. stuck okay. in dirty old leaf country it's Fuck. <laughs> i know i'm surrounded by morons but i just want to know like i guess French media makes a very big deal about French mm. players and all this other bullshit and, you know, yeah. French coaching. Yeah. What's the reception like actually in Montreal? Do people care or is it kind of a non-factor? I'll tell you this. Um, 90% of people don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. I honestly feel like it's, it's blown out of proportions. Maybe back in the nineties, it was a big thing, especially with the whole movement Quebec trying to separate but nowadays, I feel like Montreal and just Quebec in general has accepted that English is first. So I don't really understand why they make it seem like it's such a big deal to have French-speaking representatives and stuff. When you have translators, they can just do the job for you there also. You know what? Yeah, I feel at this point, you know, people just want to ice the best team on the ice. So mm-hmm. who gives a shit about whether the coach or the fucking GM is French? Like, no one cares, you know? it's. I feel like limiting yourself to, to that criteria is you know it's not it's gonna set you back it's gonna set back it's gonna set back your franchise like sure you know bring on some french kids if they're good yeah right yeah (laughs) just not not just because they're french but uh i I like i like the way you put that because like truthfully it's like um when when people go to you know when they they play for montreal or they you know they, they they just work there in general they have no problem picking up the language even if they're not like good at it they'll they'll at least try and and do like you know the the you know the bilingual thing yeah mm-hmm. so i don't you know I, I i have no idea what it's like but you know like yeah just growing up i never really understood why it was such a big thing if the community never really felt that it was you know as big as the you know the legacy is you know if everybody's dulled down on it and people are yeah. willing to to learn the language when they come onto the team as you know just to be closer to the community mm-hmm. you know why hold it on such a pedestal you know what? I'll tell you something. I've lived in Montreal for 18 years and I still don't understand it. <laughs> I, I, I really, 
really don't like uh and you know what i feel like, i feel like in montreal there's two extremes with uh you know quebecers who play for montreal or you know who manage montreal like bergevin claude julien ducharme right um i feel like either you're loved or you're hated you can, there's no in between you can't be appreciated you can't you're, you're either loved or you're hated like when Drouin got acquired people loved the trade right like uh like an extremely skilled you know high-end talent in Drouin you know, and he's French right and he's French you know everyone was super excited because we haven't had a guy like that in, in years but you see him you know kind of going down the wrong path and people started shitting on him like there was no tomorrow and <laughs> I've always defended Drouin because I've always thought that his criticism was was often unwarranted mm-hmm. and I still think it is yeah we've even discussed on this podcast just looking at his stats that's this year. Yeah. A lot of it comes down to puck luck too. The guy has 23 points and 21 assists. Yeah. If he has, you know, let's say 10 more goals. So he's got 12. Yeah. He's fourth on our team in points. Like people have to take a more objective view when it comes with Drew. And I think they look at the French Canadian yeah. side. And I think a part of it's that passion, right? They want that French star. They want him to represent the Blue Blanque Rouge with yeah. that French pride. But when you've, like it kind of looks like obviously we're speculating the guy's been run out of town by the media right <laughs> like mm-hmm. i think you we can all agree yeah. it's probably mental yes it's- it is also when he was first acquired uh, a lot of people did think he was going to become the next big thing right like people expect like i remember seeing some interviews from the montreal canadians like just interviewing random habs fans out in public yeah a lot of them thought that he was going to become a 30 40 goal scorer 80 point and- guy i remember that interview yeah mm-hmm and to see him not go, go up to their heights of expectations is just, it probably disappointed a lot of fans. And now they're just taking it out on him, which I don't think is fair, of course, but I guess yeah, that's like just at, how it goes. You know what? At the end of the day, he's still like, uh, you know, when he plays consistently, he's a top six winger. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not the worst. It's not like it's not like he became a fourth liner. No, like, exactly. I feel like, you know, once he had his first 30 games of the season, I thought he was our most consistent forward. And I, don't, and I think that's fair to say, right? He wasn't yeah. scoring. But every like every, night in and night out, the effort was there. He 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 never had a bad game from game one to, to game thirty. As soon as game thirty one hit and he had one bad game, people turned on him. Yeah, and it's ridiculous too when you look at all the stuff he's done for the community in Montreal yeah. too. That five million dollar donation to um Oh really? I didn't even know about yeah, that. Yeah, he made a five million dollar donation. Yeah. I can't remember to where it was, it was the was Montreal hospital. Yeah, the Montreal was it also hospital, hospital, hospital. Yeah. which the is the exact yeah, same. Like donation that PK made and PK was a hero, but no one yeah, talks about Drewen. Yeah. Drewen buys tickets for rookies so that their yep. fans can see the game. He funds um I can't remember another like underprivileged youth so they can go see hockey games, but no one talks about that. They just talk about the yeah. negative when he's slumping. What the hell? I didn't even know about that. Yeah, like a the, lot me- the media is so one sided on it and and it's so sad because if you think about it, he's probably one of the most humble and, you know, yeah. like tries to give back to his community. And mm-hmm. I just found out that he made that donation on Twitter because people were like having a backlash because they were like, well, Subban, you know, made, you know, gave the 10 mil, which is respectable. And, and it was amazing. I love them for that. Yeah. Um, but people were like, oh, well, he did it. And, and it was so talked about, you know, and Drew Ann doesn't. It's quiet. Well, you know, maybe he didn't, you know, he's not like Subban. Maybe he didn't need that attention, yeah. you know, and. Mm-hmm. I don't think Subban did it for attention, but you know, like Drew Ann seems like he's a quieter guy. And you know what? If the media is beating down on me, I probably wouldn't want shit like that. You know, like, hey, like, 
because because then people think it's like you're trying to deter from all the negative media by doing something nice. No, he's just doing it out of the kindness of his heart, and he doesn't need the you know the notification uh, or or the credit for doing it. Exactly. So. You know what I hate most about uh, the Drew and hate? I feel like um, you see guys on Twitter too, especially. Uh, there's that one guy. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call him out by <laughs> name. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I think that's kind of, uh, you know, disrespectful or something, yeah, yeah. even though I don't like the guy. Um, he calls Durant a, a loser who doesn't try, who doesn't work hard. And I have a huge problem with that that's... because this guy's a hockey nerd. Durant's a hockey nerd. He works his ass off, right? Mm-hmm. He, like, he has a broken wrist now. He, he was played, like, I thought the minute he came to Montreal... Uh, he was placed in unfortunate circumstances at center. As a center, yeah. As Ridiculous. a center. He, he was never – he played, like, center for four games with Tampa, and he played, like, one year uh, in Halifax. But that's that's not his natural position. And I feel like the way he de- we developed him in, in particular, I feel like he was doing good in Tampa. But the way he was playing in Montreal, I feel, was kind of the way he was playing in juniors. In juniors, you know, you can kind of afford to, you know, do all these dekes, uh, you know, in between the legs. It's, diff- it's a different story in the NHL. NHL. Even the most skilled guys, they'll do it once or twice, you know, uh, um, you know, a few games. Unless you're but, McDavid, I guess. Yeah, unless you're McDavid, <laughs> aka the most talented player of all time. But like in the NHL, you can't, you you got to make the efficient play. And you saw it this year when he was making the efficient play, he was successful. But when he went back to his old ways, which pretty much, I mean, it's his natural ways. If, you know, if, uh, if we look at it for the first past three years, he, he's not. I feel like he's taking way too much from juniors into the NHL. Yeah. And that's not, that hasn't translated. And I think part of that too comes with the pressure of needing to perform, right? People expect yeah. him. I think people still expect Jonathan Drewen to be a point per game player, yeah. which is just unrealistic. The guy, I genuinely believe at his best, if he plays consistently, he can put 60 points. Yeah, me too. Up on that's, the board. That's what I was going to say too. 50, 60. Yeah, I think good. that's realistic. That's yeah, very that's good. good for a top yeah. six forward. And if you play him with KK or Suzuki consistently, yeah. when um, those two are in their prime, maybe you hit 70. Like, I don't think it's out of the, the ballpark. Mm-hmm. But You know what? Yeah. I, I feel like at this point, though, a, a trade would be best for him. I, I don't care what the return is in this case because I just – like, I feel bad for the guy. You're worried about the, the, the man, not the player. Right? I'm worried about the mm-hmm. man. I, w- I want to see him succeed. I want to, I want to see him shut up all the haters, you know? Mm-hmm. And Maybe? if we get back a fifth-round pick, a fourth-round pick, you know what? If he goes out and succeeds, like, on a team, you know, like like Colorado with his old buddy McKinnon, I'd be happy for him. <laughs> would be, happy for that him. would be painful to watch. Especially if, it, especially if somehow we keep Bergevin and makes him look worse. You know what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's funny we talk about Druen because we looked last year in the bubble. He is a proven playoff performer. He wasn't junior. Yeah. He wasn't Tampa. He is in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to have him coming into the playoffs, which is unfortunate. Yeah. It's, but I, I well, do has it, know. Has it been confirmed he's not coming back at all? Or? Yeah, uh, there's much. been no word, so I would say it's pretty much. Uh, yeah. I was hoping maybe he would have. Who came back by then, but uh, maybe not. unless Montreal goes on some kind of a run, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, give them more time, but eh. yeah, which is leading into the question of now we're both pretty realistic, I think. All yeah. our takes, mm-hmm. um, yeah. we, we discussed last episode what we what we think is most likely to happen. I'm not gonna bet on the Habs beating the Leafs, but if you were gonna think optimistically, let's say everything goes right, 
the Habs play like they did at the start of the season. I just want to know what you two think uh, could happen. Where could the Habs end up in this playoffs? Could they go far? Could they get past the Leafs even? Like, where do you think most optimistically they could end up? Um, I, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I think most optimistically they can beat Toronto, but I think they'll get stomped by Edmonton. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> the most optimistic way I can see. I just see McDavid and uh, Drysdale just popping off. And taking them down, I have a, I have what's called, I have Edmonton winning the North, in my opinion. So, and I don't even think Montreal can really make it past Toronto. I had, I do have a lot of faith in Montreal. I know it's kind of weird. Last year, I had no faith in them in beating Pittsburgh, and they surprised me. And so, this year, I think this series is going to go to seven. But that's because I'm just genuinely really optimistic. And I think this is, it's just one of those series that's destined for a seven-game series. But I do have Toronto winning it all in the end. And this is where they finally break through and then just make it to uh, to make it to the next round face Edmonton. Yeah, I think that's a fair take. Um, personally, if if I look at it like you know completely optimistically, right? Um, if they play like they did at the start of the season, um, they can beat Toronto. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's one. And I think they can get past Edmonton. I mean, we all saw we, oh, we yeah. had we had tons of success against Edmonton this year. I uh-huh. think. I think they're a good matchup. I feel like of all the teams in the in the north, I, th- I feel like Montreal um, is probably the worst matchup for Edmonton. I would agree with that. Yeah. And yeah. I think a large part of that, because I absolutely love this guy, is Philip Deneau. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. Mm. So still underrated, but he's so underrated. No, no one shuts down McDavid or Drysital. Okay. But if yeah. you can limit those guys to a point, two points, that's their whole offense. It really is. Yeah, it's you stop one of them. Honestly, you stop McDavid. I mean, not not gonna happen. You slow down, McDavid, let's say, <laughs> so, because like, you can do whatever you want. You're not gonna stop McDavid. Like he's still mm-hmm. gonna get his, uh, you know, his fair share of chances. You know, his points. It's stopping McDavid. I feel like Deneau has a huge part to play in that, and he's excellent at it at slowing him down. But it, I feel like it's a team effort, right? Oh, for the, sure. Jake Evans plays a huge role in that too. Evans. He's, in my opinion, Evans is probably the most, like, or one of the most underrated players on this team. I feel like, you know, him, Dano, and Brett Kulak are, are three extremely underrated players. But yeah. I oh, uh, but I also believe that Edmonton, if, if McDavid is just not playing well, I feel like Drysdale can take over. I don't know if you guys remember a couple of years ago back in the, the Edmonton-Anaheim series, McDavid was kind of quiet. I'm not saying, I think it's like point per game still, yeah, but he was kind mm-hmm. of quiet. Yeah, Drysdale was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Drysdale was popping off. He was destroying them. Is that's why I'm saying I'll still go with Edmonton because we haven't really seen them in the playoffs. But when they do get into the playoffs, I think they're kind of. I think they're just different. They, <laughs> they go on a higher level. They have a Crosby <laughs> McD- Crosby, McD- uh, Crosby Cros- Malkin type. Yeah, yeah, they have that dynamic. Except that they don't really have much else going up for yeah. going for them. But they have what? the two pieces. No, they have. Like, they do have nice pieces. You know, Puliyarvi, Yamamoto, uh, yeah, and Hopkins. Uh, and I feel like their defense is underrated of the pieces that are well assembled. Like if Ethan Bear is playing a lot instead of Tyson Berry, uh-huh. um, you know, Tyson Berry is awful defensively. And I feel like with, with Edmonton, I'd be kind of confident because I know Mike Smith has had a good year. I don't think he's going to carry that into that. He's not trustworthy. I, I, guess I don't you. trust him. I don't what trust him. What scares me about Mike Smith is his age. And yeah, he's the like way, 39? Uh, 40. He's 40. 40. Yeah. I thought it was Dave Tippett playing him against the Habs when he, I don't know if you guys remember, he got hit in the head. I don't remember by who. Yeah, I think it was uh, Belzeal. Yeah. Yeah, Belzeal or someone. 
like that if I'm an Edmonton fan, I am screaming at Tippett there. Like it's a nothing game. Take the guy out. I'm just scared about his durability, right? It's hard. We've seen with price. It's hard for him to consistently say healthy at what is he? 35 now? 36? 34. I think he's, he's uh, almost 35. He's going to be turning 35 in August. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, quite a few years younger than Mike Smith. You can only imagine how difficult it would be to go deep into the playoffs for Mike after the amount of games he's played this year too. So that would terrify me as an Oilers fan. But yeah, uh, but Smith and Koskinen did split time though, almost like 32, 26, I think. So, I mean, I think I, Koskinen, well, Koskinen, you know, he started the, like the first month he was starting like every game. So that kind of, oh, really? okay. yeah. But so then Smith at the end, back, it was yeah. Smith starting every game. They yeah. Kind Smith of, was the clear cut starter. Like, uh, yeah, I remember so, right. He played well. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, for sure. I don't I trust him in the playoffs. I, I wouldn't trust him at all. But I wouldn't if, trust Koskinen even more, though. <laughs> if the, yeah, if it's Koskinen, game over. Right? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if, if Montreal can face Koskinen, I mean, I think Montreal does have a great chance. But with Mike Smith playing the way he is, I think I think I, I still would take Edmonton uh, taking it. But yeah, yeah you know what? Back to my most optimistic view, I feel like Montreal, they can get past Toronto, they can get past Edmonton. Oh, and yeah. once they get to the Final Four, I feel like it depends on the matchup. Right, because it's going to be reseeded. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you play a team like Colorado, I, even my most optimistic view, I, I can't see Montreal beating Colorado. I can't see Montreal beating Tampa. I feel like Tampa is probably the worst matchup for Montreal. Yeah. Um, a team like Carolina, I'd, I'd say it's possible, but Carolina again, they're from they're like formidable opponent. So I don't see how. I feel like if they get Boston, I feel like there's a chance. If they get a team like um, Pittsburgh, there's a chance for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same mindset where I think at the end of the day, it all goes down and it sucks because he's been so inconsistent the last few years. He's getting older. His contract sucks. Sucks, sorry. But it comes down to Carey Price. And if Mm. he plays like he did last year against Pittsburgh, Montreal has a chance in any series they play because at his best, and it, like, I'm not trying to say he's still an elite goalie. He's not that guy anymore. When he's on, he can still do that. We've seen it last year. So if he can play like that against the Leafs, I think Montreal can beat the Leafs. What people don't, or what Leafs fans don't like to talk about is Montreal's last five games against them, or yeah, I think it was the last five. The Leafs only yeah, beat they us were by completely injured and decimated. Like yeah, and only beat us by one goal. They've only beat yeah. us by two goals twice. I feel like every game was close. Like like Montreal, you know, like they they you know they beat Toronto four two. They beat them two one. And they beat them in overtime, you know, on the Caulfield goal. Yeah, and I still gotta love Caulfield. Fucking love Caulfield. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it'll be great watching from the bench. Oh my god! Oh <laughs> god, I hate Ducharme, man. <laughs> it's so bad. Like, like, look, the KK decision. I like, I, I, I still hate the KK decision. But you know what? KK was playing bad. Fine, okay. Even though I hate it because Stall is dog shit. Fine. You see, Caulfield was playing well. It. Caulfield was playing well. Like, he was he was one of our most dangerous players in the games he played. We literally need goal scoring against a team like Toronto who's going to put it in the back of the net, and you bench him. Like, this may be a hot take. I would bench Josh Anderson before I benched Cole Caulfield. I think that's a freezing cold take. I think uh, Caulfield deserves to be in the top six of this team the way he's playing. 
if you I think it was Anderson, Perry, and Stahl, the entire third line. That's gonna be such a yeah, in the last in the last 20 games they've played, yeah, they've scored less goals than Caulfield, and Caulfield has played 10. Exactly. That's and all three players, like I like Perry, okay, and I like I like Josh Anderson. Perry, I feel like you know, he's in there, you know, because in the playoffs he turns his game up a notch, and I'm fine with Perry being in there. Anderson has to be in there, obviously. You know what he brings on, on like a top nine. Even if he's Caulfield, not scoring, he's doing yeah. something. And you know, I feel like Armia's the Armia should be the odd man out. Because that's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, you know what? Armia, I feel like he has one great game. The next game he's invisible. Mm-hmm. He's terrible. He, he just yeah. doesn't show up. You know, you don't notice him on the ice. One game he and, plays like dry solo, the next like four games he's gone. It's weird. Yeah. It's ridiculous. He yeah. when he's on, he's a beast down on he's the board. He's a fucking beast. His hands are amazing. And then he'll he, like like you said, he puts up points in bunches. I seem it seems like that guy has more four point games than he has one point games. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. For real, like he has that one game where he, you watch him and he's like, no one can get the puck off this guy. He's like, he's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Next game he goes in and you ask yourself, did, did the guy even play? It's uh, he's just yeah. invisible. And I think he's a great guy to have on the bench because if you insert him into the lineup. Like yeah. Armia on your bench is ridiculous. That's death. yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I feel like his problem has always been his uh, his hockey sense. Yeah, I think he's a very talented player. He's yeah you know, got the hands. He was a first fourteenth overall, I believe, to Buffalo. I think sixteenth like, overall. Or yeah, something like that. Somewhere there. Yeah. And he's got the talent, but I don't know if he's just taken too many blows to the head. He seems to be unlucky in that <laughs> regard. But I would agree, he doesn't have the greatest hockey IQ. Which yeah. I think sucks when he plays with Suzuki because, in one way, he compliments him. Right, he goes down on the board, he clears up space. He they get to make plays going when Druin's on the other side. Yeah, but there's other times where Suzuki makes a pass and Armia's just, you know, he's not that he's not ready to receive it. He doesn't know where to go. Yeah, I feel like it's similar to Josh Anderson, right? Where you see him driving to the net. He just shoots the puck on net when there's like clearly an open lane to pass he the puck. He's one of the worst passers, and I've I never this is a huge Josh Anderson fan. Like I've the eye seen. test and the advanced stats confirm that. Like everything yeah. confirms he's a bad passer. Like you, you know what he brings, right? Like when he, when he's aggressive, when he's on, you know, he, he'll drive to the net. He'll create some energy for his line. You know, like uh, he'll get his entire line going. When he's not, he's extremely inconsistent. He's floating out there. Uh, and I don't know, I feel like, you know, especially fans, they overrate physicality. Oh, definitely. Physicality is important to, to an extent. But I think in the playoffs against the Leafs is where it, one one aspect where it will be very yeah, important. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, especially at the right times in the game, right? I feel like physicality, if you time it properly, it's effective. But when you just go around hitting people all game and you don't do anything else, it's not going to do it. Like, I don't know, unless your your only role is to do that, like a Ryan Reeves type player then i mean it's not it's not going to do much like josh anderson your job is to you know be physical and score some goals mm-hmm. like we didn't sign you to to 5.5 times 7 to to go out and hit people and be a leader that's not what we like that's not what we signed you to i actually um i'm gonna disagree a little bit because i actually love what he brings personally personality wise i don't know if you guys saw his comments about no, playing the leaf yeah yeah like I, I like i like that aspect of this game but do you like is it worth 5.5 million over seven years um that's i like i'm not gonna lie i think that contract is gonna the last three years of that contract yeah. are gonna suck yeah because, a player yeah. like him d- 
does not age well. They don't. Yeah, they don't age well. Yeah, but if you prorate his season to kind of in 82 games, he was until his slumped on pace for 30 goals. Yeah, 30, and I think yeah. paying someone five. What what is it? Five point six. Five point. I think five point five. Five point five. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a pretty good deal for a 30 goal scorer in this day and age. Yeah, Especially I don't mind the when, contract. It's just like the term. The term is the, the term is the issue. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's you know something that Bergevin's probably not going to have to worry about. I don't think he's going to be around for that. I think hopefully we have someone else to clean up that mess. Hopefully. So I'm kind of thinking about it shorter term. I'm not too concerned about it. Yeah. And I just love what he brings. Like you said, like just his personality, his leadership. Yeah, I love that about him. About wanting to play the Leafs, like. Yeah, see I think how much he gets under Leafs fan skin. It's actually they funny. hate him. They and hate him. It's funny when the Leafs hate a guy. It means he's good. Yeah, oh for sure. Yeah, I like him. Uh, he kind of like. I know what you're saying though. Like you know, some some nights he'll be on, some nights he's off, and and like so sometimes we'll get like what they're you know the power horse, whatever they're calling him, and yeah, then some the nights we horse. we get like just like when he's not offensive, we get like just like a softer version of like a Brandon Prust. You know, like yeah. just, just hits, hits, yeah. but not really just dropping the gloves. Uh, just floating you know, out there, just he's skating, he's in. not. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think that's just what you have to accept with a guy like that, though. Because yeah. when when we say he's a bad passer, I think he's well aware that he's a bad passer. Because I will give him credit; he doesn't try to make passes. He knows he can't make. A lot of the times, he just yeah. shoots the puck, and I'm like, "Fuck, Anderson, just pass it." <laughs> yeah, but I seriously. Think, but I think he's in his brain. He's going, "I know damn well I'm not going to make that backhand saucer pass, so I'm just going to put it on net and hope something happens." Yeah. No, I like look what Josh Anderson brings. You know, it's it's something we haven't had in a while, and I feel like it's something that's extremely useful. You know, especially when he's playing well. But at the same time, I do feel like. His impact is overstated. Mm-hmm. I think, I yeah, like, I think it depends on what what you. Um, I, well, you I saw like the, the other day. I saw a fan saying that he was untouchable over Suzuki and Katkaniemi. I feel like that's completely that's ridiculous, that's absurd. That's, that's, that's a true. fucking burn of that's a take. Like, <laughs> like you can you can make Casey's your fourth best right winger now behind Toffoli, Gallagher, and Caulfield. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very fair assessment. Yeah, it's like he's not like. Um, Considering the the right wing depth you're going to have for the next few years, you know, with Gallagher, Toffoli, Caulfield, even Island, who looks promising, um, is he that useful? I think uh, Toffoli's been playing left lately, has he not? Yeah, yeah. But even if you that, take him, that definitely alleviates some. Yeah, but even um, if you put him on the left, right, you have Island coming up, who has who's been showing a lot of promise, and you have Caulfield and and Gallagher, right? Oh yeah, I don't think he's. I think he's not untouchable for sure. I not just, even close. I do think he brings value. I think yeah, for sure. what I value most in Josh Anderson, aside from his goal scoring ability, is the fact that he is a leader. Like when he yeah, comes he out there, there are times the Habs have looked flat. And, yeah. you know, this is when hitting is important. Josh Anderson's out there running everybody, going for loose pucks. You know, it just makes the team, you go, well, that guy's fucking yeah. going hard. Why aren't we, right? <laughs> and you know, even what, there's some games where he's not scoring goals where, He's trying his ass off. You know? Yeah, mm. you can you can never say that guy doesn't try. He's always yeah. trying, and I love that because I think he's a better leader than Shea Weber. I know he won the absolutely, ab- absolutely. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Shea Weber is a leader. Is fucking like I'm. I'm sorry. He's not. 
<laughs> what are we in the nineties now? Like, I'm sorry, he's not like he's big. Oh, he's, he he hits. Oh, okay, who cares? <laughs> but he I'm doesn't sorry. hit. He's, when was the last time Weber laid someone out? He, I he's can't a bad player. I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big believer in being a leader on the ice and off the ice. Okay, mm-hmm. you can be a leader in the room, but if you suck on the ice, what kind of message does that send to your entire team? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's. I think Brendan Gallagher is a real leader. Oh, for sure. That yeah. guy. Gallagher's the real captain. Gallagher, yeah, yeah. it's not it's not even I mean, look what happens when we lose him. It just kind of gets quiet. And that's when you Gallagher. see like, you know, Anderson truly actually, comes out and you just notice him a little bit more just trying to like up the game, you know. Yeah. And Gallagher, you know, you talk about, you know, consistently, this is a Twitter feud always eye test yeah. analytics, right? Yeah. Gallagher I test and analytically is Montreal five on five. Like <laughs> still, I, I feel like he's still so underrated. Like I made a tweet the other day where I'm like, I don't feel like Gallagher gets enough appreciation from our fans because he, he like, for one, I feel like people see him as like, Oh, he's not elite because he's not skilled. He doesn't do this. You know, he doesn't have these hands. He doesn't have that shot. But he, more day, than he goes out every night, competes his ass off yeah. and scores 30 goals every it's, year. It's gonna sound like an absurd um, comparison, yeah. But he's like a Mark Messier in the sense that he's not elite at anything. Yeah. Mark Messier, like when you talk about Mark Messier, you don't talk about oh, great shot, great. No, that guy just tried his ass off. Yeah, he was, was a great leader. Yeah. Obviously, a little more elevated skill than Gallagher for sure, yeah. to be yeah. third all time in NHL points. But that's what Gallagher does. He's a volume shooter. He brings every yeah. ounce of his energy to every game and he's sitting in the third period at the end of the day drenched in sweat exhausted he and he does it every off. game he doesn't yeah. take a single game off and exactly and this is where i think mvp and this is where i think brendan gallagher is more of an exceptional player in that sense where he he brings it all his every game when we talk about josh anderson i remember you guys mentioning something about along the lines of maybe he's like invisible a couple games or uh, he's not really there he's a bit more soft mm-hmm. but I, I think that's just because it's just a regular season you can't go out. You can't go out and just go crazy every game, right? Gallagher does because he's an exception. But every player has those off games, so that's what I think. Yeah, uh, I, I personally believe Brendan Gallagher is like such an important person on this team. Like you could see him like having a trophy named after him for like yeah. a Montreal-based trophy, just because of like oh, yeah. you know, like 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 uh, the play with the most heart. You know, like yeah, that, work that is the Bre- yeah, exactly. For like, sure. Like Brendan Gallagher might not have all these tools, but he's got the biggest heart. He would on any team. He would still if he could play for Buffalo, and he would still come out regardless of of how shit they are and play his heart out. Yep. Um. And he just makes you know he definitely you know um, Philip Deneau is just amazing. You know he's just you know Philip Deneau for Selkie, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Brendan Gallagher definitely helps round that out. You know. So Gallagher, I feel like. Um... You know, he's this team's MVP. And he's this team's best player, in my opinion. Like, every season, this team without Gallagher, every season. It's I not, would go like, ever since Price is prime. Like it's. I would go as far to say that, you know, we talked when, before we came on. We we're talking about old Habs legends, right? Yeah. I think since '93. Yeah. You know, I, I get that we've had Koivu, we've had some guys. I would say Brendan Gallagher might be the greatest Hab aside from Carey Price to play in this new generation. I think, you know what? I'm going to say he's greater than Carey Price. Not uh, better. Because in his peak, it's, it wasn't even close. Carey Price, arguably in 2014-15, for example, mm-hmm. was probably the best had the best. Oh, not even that. Not just that. 
I think he had the best goaltending season of all time because it's that fair. team, that team without Price, would not have like they would they wouldn't have come close to the playoffs, and they finished with the second best record in the league. It's funny you look at you look at the rosters of those like you want to call yeah. them cup runs. You know where we made. They the are now on the first final. line. Michelle Terrier as coach. <laughs> yeah, and it's like. Because I just remember, I remember the runs, but I don't remember any of the players. And it's because we didn't fucking have anybody. Like, you look at our yeah. roster now, and if you had that price, we're contending for the cup. It's ridiculous yeah. he dragged. And that's why I hate, I hate shitting on price because that guy, we failed him as an organization. We failed him for sure. Yeah, like and, like how you guys were saying earlier about like trading Drew Ann, we kind of feel like if we could move Price somewhere to where he could get a fucking Stanley Cup, I feel like he kind of earns it. He he deserves it. Like that's something we would I think that'd be get. good for, for all three parties, the fans, the team, and the other team. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. look, I mean, as a fan, you know, I'm going to miss Carey Price, but getting his contract off the books would be huge. Oh, and I, th- I fully think we've discussed this. If Price is moved out of town, which I do think he should be, not yeah. be like he doesn't deserve it okay like i i don't blame anything on price anymore just because the guy's crumbling after carrying us on his back for over a decade yeah mm-hmm. but i think he will probably pick up his game and everyone's gonna be like why'd you trade price it'll be a flurry thing and about to say oh, it's, it's mark andre flurry so but i just i still think <laughs> it's the right move i think as yeah. an organization you have to look at where we are now yeah. look we've tried to win now it's so clear. It should have been clear last year. We go as far as Suzuki and KK and now Caulfield. See, that's the thing. That That's why scratching KK and Caulfield is such a, a Makes no terrible sense. move. Because, look, if you if you want this team to win, you saw it last year in, in the playoffs, right? Who are the two main driving forces offensively? KK, Suzuki, and Druin. Yeah, Suzuki, KK, right? Mainly those two, right? And, I mean, when you relied on those two, they came through. Like, they played – really well right and when you got when you have a guy like stall over that you know what you're gonna get with you know what you're gonna get with eric stall nothing <laughs> he's gonna actually you're gonna get something you're gonna get a liability who unit plus minus negative shouldn't be in the nhl anymore like he he's bad all around his the eye test says it the analytics says it a lot he's he's one of he's legitimately one of the worst players in the league with kk like I said, at his worst, you're going to get good defensive play. At his best, the potential of what he can give you can help maximize the potential of this team. You know, yeah, definitely. Even over and the no, you know, I, I, I'd honestly play KK over the no. Because if you give this guy responsibility, you know, he'll he'll produce offensively all while being good defensively. Yeah. Like, put the no on a shutdown line, you know, with like... Well, I kind of, I like, sort of disagree with that take because I still think the no... Yeah. is our best chance. But I totally see what you're saying and the fact that when Dano was out for a few games, we talked yeah. about Suzuki's slump. That's yeah. when Suzuki picked it up. Yeah. And I think that's Dano's biggest downfall is that we have so many young guys coming up, right? Like he yeah. rightfully deserves a top six spot. That guy... Look, is he's our best center. Dano, yes. Dano, overall, he's our best center. Uh, exactly. Look, Suzuki's he's good. KK is good. But Dano, Dano consistent-wise, like... He's elite defensively. He should be in Selkie conversations. And he isn't because, you know, the, the trophy is basically whoever's good defensively and puts up the most points. That's what yeah. the trophy is, really. It's 
basically it's like the Norris. Yeah, it's like the Norris. The Norris isn't awarded to the best defenseman. It's awarded to the guy who puts up the most points. Yeah, it's the best offensive defensive, honestly. Last year, you yeah. know, Yossi deserves it, I, I think. You know, which finally they got they got the award right. But, you know, stuff like recency bias and points are really going to come into effect with uh, these awards. For sure. And, and the, no, the no doesn't, you know, the no is no exception. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I've been a big advocate for Deneau for a while, so I don't need to... Yeah, my username on Twitter is literally Deneau for the Selkie. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> I think that's how we actually... Um, we started conversing was about Deneau, but we are going to do kind of a two-segment thing here, so that'll wrap up our end on uh, the Hockey Podcast Network. If you guys want to um, you know, plug away, where can people find you? Where can they listen to the podcast? Uh, well, you guys can follow us on Twitter at WeTheNorthPod. If you guys want to follow each of us separately, uh, I'm at Caulfield Haps too. Uh, Farhan, what's your ad already? My ad? Uh, yeah, on, on Twitter. Actually, I know I you don't use it much, but it's all Farhan Habs 98. Yeah, yes. at Farhan Habs 98. That's it. He knows I, it. <laughs> yeah, I know it for sure. I, I, don't, I barely use Twitter, to be honest. I, need, I find it really toxic at times, so I just kind of mm-hmm. avoid it. And yeah, if you guys want, you can also uh, leave a like on the video, you know, like on SoundCloud, because that's where, for now, we're streaming it there. We might move it to um, Apple Podcasts, maybe maybe Spotify, you know, uh, as time goes on. But for now, it's SoundCloud. So you, can, you guys can follow us there. All right, perfect. So that will be the first segment. We're going to keep talking to these guys. The second half of our conversation is going to be on their podcast. If you want to listen to the rest of it, please go there at We The North at SoundCloud and check it out. And as always, you know, guys know where to find us, uh, any streaming platform where you get your podcasts at THPN, at HockeyPodNet, and at Habs Nightly. So thank you guys for listening, and we hope that we hear you again on the You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, my name is Richard Blosser, host of the Grit and Barrett podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network, covering the Hershey Bears, the 11-time Calder Cup champions of the American Hockey League, and the 2018 Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. Each Tuesday, I recap Bears games, give you Bears news, notes, and nuggets, and all of the hockey news that matters to me, whether it's the American Hockey League, the NHL, or banter about hockey jerseys. This hack brings you high energy. They score! Connor McMichael has ended the game! Unfiltered. Look, Kirko's really going to have to work hard to bring back the fan base from this pandemic because you can't just rely on vaccinations. You have a fan base that is old, stubborn, and very reluctant to change. Not to mention you got to work on bringing back families and then whatever fan base you can try and get back from other parts of the state. You just can't rely on people coming out from 81 and 78. You got to work on a fan base that's very, very hesitant to change and at times unfocused. Look, Ovechkin is basically the guy who comes into the bar, kicks open the door, and says, Who ordered a white Russian, huh? Well, we all know Sidney Crosby is the guy who enters in from the side door, red carpet, VIP, Armani suits, and alligator shoes. That's just the type of guys they are. 
So join me every Tuesday here on the Hockey Podcast Network for the Grit and Barrett Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Grit and Barrett P1. That's Grit, G-R-I-T, and B-E-A-R-I-T P1 on Twitter. Available wherever you get all your podcasts. Part of the Hockey Podcast Network.